Hello everyone, welcome back to It's a Wonderful Podcast, Ganine. It is episode 207 of the main show, and I think, unless I'm forgetting something pretty big, that this is the first time you and I have covered a Western together on this show. You know what? I think you might be right. It's kind of weird. (laughs) I think it is. I like that it is because it allows me to talk a little more about our personal feelings towards Westerns as a genre themselves because I don't believe we've actually ever had that conversation on a show. So yes, success there. But hello everyone, welcome to It's a Wonderful Podcast, the main show, episode 207. We're talking a Wyatt Earp movie today. It's Gunfight at the OK Corral from 1957. Janine, it is not the first Wyatt Earp movie that has been covered on It's a Wonderful Podcast. Back in the day, years ago, myself and Nolan covered which Wyatt Earp movie on this show? Ooh, the pressure. (laughs) Trivia. Trivia. 1946. Oh. Henry Fonda went into the Mustache Hall of Fame for this performance. Was he a villain? No. No, because that was Once Upon a Time. Did we we cover Once Upon a Time in the West? (laughs) Which would be our first Western? (laughs) Did we ever cover Once Upon a Time in the West? I I don't think we we did. Or did I just, because I think I I went through a Western phase where I was watching Westerns, old Westerns, and talking to you about them. So maybe yes, that's I think just what I'm recalling. Perhaps. I, that's what I mean. Unless I'm forgetting something really big and <laughs> bad, then this is our first Western. It's certainly, without a doubt, our first Western in a long time, if yes. it isn't our first anyway. Yes, but but that no, movie... I do not recall. I do not recall which wider film you discussed. Well, that previous movie, Janine, was My Darling Clementine. Oh, I didn't even know that that was a Wyatt Earp movie. It is. It's the exact same movie as this, but it's kind of, I suppose, less grandiose and almost more personal feeling, less visual, but kind of, uh, it's a smaller scale kind of thing. It's kind of only about the tombstone element of it all as well rather than the hour, the first hour of this movie, which you kind of get the development of Wyatt Earp and Doc Holliday's relationship yeah. in Dodge City before they ever even get to Tombstone. Tombstone, oh. So it's, it's you know, this movie, Gunfight at the OK Corral, 1957, that we are talking about today, is very much set in two parts, I think. It's yeah. kind of... It's it's the Dodge City stuff where it's purely Wyatt Earp and Doc Holliday. Wyatt Earp's Burt Lancaster in this one. Doc Holliday is Kirk Douglas, which I think is a little bit of a weird casting for a Western. And I, I'll get on to that because I don't think Kirk Douglas necessarily is the first person I think of when I think of great Western, Western actors. Yeah. <laughs> Not simply because of his acting style, but I'll... I want to talk a little bit about that when we get into the main uh, discussion. But then the second half is in Tombstone. The Earps, as a you know, a family, are back mm-hmm. together alongside Doc Holliday. Some of our villains from the past, you know, come back in. The Clanton gang are now involved, causing chaos, and you get the fight at the end. Yes, it's a fairly simply structured movie. But I happen to think this is a really quite entertaining feeling movie. I think that's got a lot to do with the fact that its director is John Sturgis, who made kind of very, made made The Magnificent Seven and The Great Escape and these kind of fairly big movies, but of a more adventure feeling to them. And I think he implements this into this movie as well. This is very, this is a very different wider movie to My Darling Clementine, for instance, that seems to have, you know, it doesn't have these big sweeping shots and a big kind of score behind it 
that a um, recurring theme <laughs> a recurring theme that really does get stuck in your head yeah we're uh, literally just like anytime one of us says the word okay we just can't not continue singing the rest of the song okay corral <laughs> And yeah. it's just like, okay, it's the most Western yeah. feeling song. It's really stuck in there <laughs> ever. It is so. It's a. I think it's a great theme great. for this it's, movie. It's, it's very repetitive. <laughs> I really. It is very repetitive. I think if I read something correctly, if I'm not completely mis, not misunderstanding, but misremembering that. The same guy who sung this gunfight at the OK Corral song, this theme song for this movie, was the same guy that Mel Brooks got to sing in Blazing Saddles. Because this theme was so kind of blatant and almost not laughable, but to the point of being it's kind of just really obvious. It's a narrative kind of theme where several times throughout the movie... The tune of OK Corral will be transferred to something like Wire Turp went down the street. <laughs> like what he's doing or what he holiday. just did. It was the most ridiculous thing you've ever heard. Yeah. And <laughs> it I was think used Mel as like a narration was, point. And it it was. Felt comical or spoofy at that point. Mel Brooks clearly saw that as perfect spoof material and got the same dude to sing the song from Bla- you know from Blazing Saddles. Yeah. So I kind of love that. Um it's homage but it's also let's have a bit of fun with it. Um but yes, Janine, I mean I did want to ask you your general kind of thoughts on the western genre, but I do know we have something to do before we are in danger of getting into the meat of today's episode. What yes. is that? We have to say a huge thank you to the It's a Wonderful Podcast patrons every week on one of our shows. We shout them out as a, just a huge thank you for all of their support. So Yes. If you would like to join the Patreon, go to patreon.com slash it's a wonderful one. Or just type it's a wonderful podcast into Patreon. Whole bunch of fun stuff that we have over there. Everybody gets a shout out on every, ep- on, on not every episode, but certainly every week on an episode of the It's a Wonderful Podcast feed, but there's also live streams and fun other videos, artwork and poll voting and all kinds of other stuff that you can get on the It's a Wonderful Podcast Patreon if you are feeling particularly generous and would like to support us that way. So, Janine, let's start by saying a big thank you to Adam Witt. And thank you, Michael Smith. Thank you to Maxwell Haddad. Thank you, Amber Coates. Thank you, Abby Freel. Thank you, Ferris Muthana. Thank you to Janine's big brother, Justin, 90s Comics Box. Thank you, Video Drew. Thank you, Adelaide. Thank you, Tina Farrow. Thank you, Marcus Burton. Thank you to Movie Vinobi Steve. Thank you, Sir Mietes Fai. Thank you, Patrick Harden. Thank you, John Mariano. Thank you, Carla Fis. Thank you to Delisha Butler. Thank you, Gigi. Thank you to the great Ken Knapsock. Thank you to Tom and Kimber of Odd Shape Channel. And thank you, of course, to Billy Polahan. Yes. <laughs> Celebrate the patrons. Sing the OK Corral song to the patrons and get it stuck in their head as well, Janine, because, oh my God, I just can't <laughs> I get know. it out. Every time I hear... Somebody say, okay, and I'm going to be at danger of doing this at work (laughs) as well. I'm just going to want to say corral afterwards. And people (laughs) look at me like, what on earth is going on there? But let me ask the question I've been wanting to ask you, Janine. Westerns as a genre, how do you feel about them? Well, it's not a genre I'm usually drawn to. And I always think I don't like it very much until I do actually find a few that I'm like, get really into. But then I still just never think to revisit it. It's a weird kind of relationship I have with Westerns. I always think, oh, they're boring. Uh, I don't like Westerns. I don't know Westerns well. But then sometimes I'll just like find one I like and then kind of go on this run of watching a couple Westerns and I get really into it and I enjoy it. And then I just 
get back into that headspace of I don't like westerns and I don't you know so I go through these western phases it's very odd like I watched the Fistful of Dollars series like yeah <clears throat> like I watched the first one and then I'm like I liked that and then I watched the other two films and enjoyed that series um then I had watched um uh, Tombstone and um uh, young guns and then and the quick and the dead and i enjoyed those as well like so i don't know i go through these phases of like really watching westerns and enjoying them but i never i never mark it as a franchise that i or a, a genre that i'm really that excited about but when i do find one that i really enjoy i can get into them so i don't know is it perhaps that you enjoy the more stylish kind of western <clears throat> so you say you like you know the the fistful of dollars, the spaghetti westerns, because yes. they are very very stylish movies. Yes, you know? I think that's the case. Because if I try to sit down and watch something like Three Ten to Yuma, thinking like I I've just watched, you know, Fistful of Dollars, and yeah. I really enjoyed it, had fun with it. So then I'm like, oh, you know, next suggested movie is Three Ten to Yuma. I might enjoy that because I just enjoyed this other Western. And then I put on 310 to Yuma and I'm totally bored. So, oh. so, yeah. is, this, so I, is this the the newer 310 to Yuma or the original 310 to Yuma? Oh, I've had both suggested and tried okay. to go into both. And both times I was kind of just, I just couldn't get into it. So yeah, I feel like it's maybe the more high style, um, you know, quick shots and, and yeah. uh, you know, kind of, formulaic music and musical beats and um you know the zooms and the yeah <laughs> you know the intensity and the over-the-top kind of caricature style of of you know a showdown or something like that um so uh, perhaps yeah not the kind of morality tales of you know the these strict coded men in your traditional american westerns a la john ford Maybe yeah. this is not your kind of vibe. Have you ever seen a John Ford Western? That is a legitimate, honest question. I do not judge. No, no, I don't think I have. I would recommend Stagecoach to okay. start off with because I think Stagecoach is quite a, a fun, kind of a romantic movie. John Wayne's first foray into Westerns as a very young kind of actor. Um but you maybe not, and High Noon as well, not that that's got anything to do with John Ford at all, but High but Noon with Gary big, Cooper yeah, is one of the only Westerns that I know Nolan really likes, and that's because of its rather unique, in terms of Westerns, morality, whereas it, it, it's kind of very un-American in many ways, and, and High Noon's got a, fa a fascinating kind of backstory to it in yeah. the sense that you know that the house on american activities committee you know all the people that blacklisted people basically try to get high noon and everybody blacklisted because they viewed it as un-american because it was about a community basically not coming to their sheriff's help and him having to do it on his own and oh. they didn't like that kind of individualism about it Oh. They preferred the let's all come together strong no. and help the leader and all this business. <clears throat> yeah. That's why the movie Rio Bravo was made in a sense, in spite of High Noon. Because that was that was John Wayne, that was really kind of we are yeah. great, we are America American, we are together. all this business. Yeah. Yeah. Why you know, I don't think I don't think this movie, Gunfight at the OK Corral, can I don't think it easily falls into any of those things, but I think if it does, and perhaps this is simply because I know Kirk Douglas to have been somebody that people try to get blacklisted sometimes, you know, yeah. famously Spartacus and Dalton Trumbo writing Spartacus and all that kind of stuff. Kirk Douglas was very much on the political left, I, I, I suppose, of the 50s and 60s. In America, in American movies. So perhaps I would naturally view this movie as 
somewhat more interesting morality-wise than your more typical all-American John Wayne-style Western. And this is not a condemnation of John Wayne Westerns, because yeah. some of them are very, very good movies. It's just sometimes it can be a little bit over-the-top patriotic, patriotic. Yeah. Which I don't think you kind of ever get in this movie. It's kind of all about, you know, we're doing what we're doing because we either care about the people involved or we're doing it because what it's what we believe is right, regardless of what the community may think. Yeah. You know, Wyatt Earp's burgeoning friendship and burgeoning respect of Doc Holliday, Doc Holliday being a, a killer, an outlaw, and, you know, and the community kind of going, we don't like you that much, Doc. Why are you still around? Yeah. And Wyatt Earp as the strong, very stoic kind of lawman in this movie, particularly kind of well encapsulated in that way, I think, by Burt Lancaster, given the fact that he's this huge hulking figure. Yes. Who just kind of plods around. He's the most John Wayne looking <laughs> person who isn't John Wayne. In the sense that he kind of just wanders around slowly. He'd make a great Frankenstein's monster, Burt oh, Lancaster. I've always thought that. And that's not because he's just... It's because kind of, of he, his around. physicality. It's because of his physicality. I think he's really quite good in this movie. He's certainly very unique when it comes to Wyatt Earp. Not just because of the fact that he doesn't actually have a moustache. But he's also... Which is weird when it comes to Wyatt. Earp. Yeah, I know. That's like you an know, iconic thing. Wyatt to think Earp of had when you a think mustache. Of that character. Yeah. Wyatt Earp actually had a mustache, and he always kind of has mustaches in his in his movies. Yeah. And Burt Lancaster didn't have a mustache in this movie. Kirk Douglas did. Now, I would like to induct Kirk Douglas into the Mustache Hall of Fame. Okay. Because it, it seems you know we we don't induct too many people into the Mustache Hall of Fame, but when a big name actor Janine sports a moustache and a nice clean <coughs> moustache that this was in this movie i like yeah. to induct them into the moustache hall of fame so applause for kirk douglas Yay, latest nice inductee into the moustache <laughs> hall of fame which i Forgive think also me. made him fit more into this kind of world considering like yes we don't really see him in a lot of westerns or think of him as a western actor i think this definitely helped help the case of, of him fitting in a western <clears throat> yeah, and it's a weird thing because I, I don't, I tend to think of Western actors as quite quiet actors. Yeah. And Kirk Douglas to me is an incredibly loud, boisterous kind of actor who is yeah. able to kind of explode yeah. and go on these kind of athletic kind of runs around and gets quite angry and intense all the time. I never seem to you know you think of big western actors you think of john wayne you think of gary cooper and jimmy stewart and henry fonda and these kind of people even clint eastwood in those spaghetti westerns yeah. are very quiet and very kind of they know in their heads what they are trying to do and they have their you know their own thoughts their own moral codes and all this kind of business but you're not going to see them seemingly constantly get very intense and jittery and these kind of things that Kirk Douglas is very, very good at doing. I yeah. love it when he plays these explosive kind of characters because yeah, he does it, it so perfectly. So when, he's, like, the... he's like Jimmy Cagney in that kind of way. You don't, would, wouldn't really put Jimmy Cagney in a Western because you just feel like he'd be a... Unless he was playing a villain. Yeah. And obviously he's playing Doc Holliday, who's kind of an anti-hero kind of thing. So I guess it works in that way. Um, I liked Kirk Douglas in this. He's just certainly rather different or rather yeah, different type of actor to. to what we're used to seeing from Doc Holliday. Yeah, but I really enjoyed it. Like, I, I thought he embodied a lot of, you know, what that character is. Um, I, I don't think I was getting it until the scene, which I think is kind of my favorite scene of the movie. Aside from the very cool walk up to the OK Corral. Yes. <laughs> um, but probably my favorite scene was when um, 
he faces off with Ringo and mm. Ringo is like, you know, goading him on and egging him on to, to fight him and shoot him and grab the gun and shoot him from across the table. And he throws the drink in his face and him just resisting the urge to like fight. So, you know, that it's like a kind of great kind of character art character change moment where like uh, Wyatt has kind of influenced him and he, he he's kind of gained some nobility in that moment of, of keeping his word to somebody. And, and so I really love that scene where, you know, Ringo is just like, grab the gun, come on, you know, because yeah, we've seen him be hot-headed and kind of rush into a fight yeah. several times up to this point. So to see him now kind of be a deputy to, to Wyatt and, make this word to him that he's not going to kill and he's not going to fly off the handle and all of these things. And, you know, he sees this guy Ringo with his woman and Ringo's egging him on to fight him. And we see him just kind of curl up his fists and, and, and really fight the urge to do anything. Even when Ringo throws a drink in his face and he just walks away and he like is embarrassed and he's angry and all of these things. He plays that so well. I absolutely yes. loved that scene. And that kind of was the believable turn for this character and the kind of the loyalty that comes out of this character that we've seen in other films. So yeah, that was the I moment that I think I was really believing and I was on board with him as Doc Holliday. Yeah. I think you do get a lot of the loyalty and it's, it's quite subtly brought across and developed but I think it, it's it is really clear in scenes like that, and you know his how much Doc Holiday has changed, or how much Wide Up has changed Doc Holiday, and and their kind of mythical friendship is expanded on. I suppose it is kind of further stated yeah. in this, you know, by this movie. I also think this is a really it's an interesting way of telling this story because, like I said, it, it's John Sturgis who is quite a, you know, an adventure-type-minded director, yeah. most notably. And it it comes across to me like the movie as though a grandparent is telling a grandchild a story, rather than just being presented as a movie. It seems to me to be the most legendary feeling Wyatt Earp movie that I've seen. And I haven't seen like too many of them, but out of the three or four that I have seen, four, I think that I have seen. Yeah. Tombstone, yeah. Wyatt Earp, My Darling Clementine and this. Yeah. It seems to be the, the one that does feel the most like a campfire tale. And I, I like that about it. Maybe this has something to do with the slightly grandiose style of some of the shots it does feel a little bit at times this this almost john fordish but traditional american sweeping shots of landscapes and all this kind of stuff yeah uh, where it's kind of pounding music rather than the rather than the kind of sinister string type music in spaghetti westerns where you, you might see a landscape and it be Ennio Morricone giving it his good, the bad and the ugly theme where it's all very, you know, it can be slow at times and building, but it feels quite like never something's never quite right with what's going yeah. on, like you're always on edge. In this, it's kind of, clear it's more simplistic than that these characters are supposed to be presented as these are legendary figures who we are very much supposed to be on the side of yeah you know even doc holiday who is to the rest of the characters you know uh, an outlaw and a killer and do we fully trust him i think we the audience immediately kind of are told to fully trust him they have this preconceived idea of him. So when he does become this more noble person, they kind of write it off. Um, yeah. So I love that 
uh, Wyatt kind of has his back in in him growing into this kind of more <laughs> a noble person. So like when that whole scene happens, when you know this gang is tearing up the whole town at this like church function, and the mm. two of them single handedly, well, single handedly, the two people <laughs> it makes no sense, but <laughs> double handedly, <laughs> double handedly, just the two of them take on this gang and kind of have each other's backs in this moment and the two of them alone are able to kind of break up the situation. Um, yeah. I, I think that's kind of what legitimizes him in the eyes of the people who have kind of been like, really, you're going to deputize Doc Holliday? <laughs> like, what are you yeah. thinking? So I think in a moment like that, where they see him actually like sticking up for the town and really being a strong support to Wyatt Earp, who is this, you know, uh, stand up lawman that everyone respects and seeing that someone who has that much respect also trying to put that respect on Doc Holliday, I think, you know, we get a moment where people finally come around and are able to view him differently. Yeah, I, I certainly do like that. Janine, I think it's about time that we talk about some of the supporting players in yes. this movie. Because there's a couple of faces who just... <laughs> I was really quite pleased to see show up. Well, you want to know why I picked this movie? Well, like, why I suggested it. <laughs> yes, okay. Why did you suggest <laughs> us talking about this movie? I did admittedly think it was a little bit of a random Western for you to pick. It wasn't yeah. quite the biggest name, but it's certainly a notable Western, a very notable Western. But it's not exactly like us doing, you know, The Searchers or something like that. It, it's not enormous in the history no. of Westerns. Because, like, I think I had, like, vaguely heard of this movie and just kind of wrote it off as some random Western. I didn't even realize it was a YM story, so I knew the name of this movie. I mean, but if we're being was... fair, this movie was nominated for two Oscars, so we shouldn't be disrespecting yes. it. Yes. Um, but I, I found the thought for this movie in the most ridiculous place. So I was watching the Transformers movies. <laughs> and... <laughs> Um, you know, obviously, you know, let, let's watch them, you know, help uh, inner geekdom people prepare, you know, yes. help myself, you know, get into these movies for Schmodown preparations, perhaps, you know, you never know, that could be a, a nice thing to use. Um, so, and I'm like, I never really, I've watched them, but like, never retained them because, you know, they're all just kind of the same nonsense. So yes, I was watching Revenge of the Fallen, <laughs> the second film in the series. And there's kind of a big standoff moment with a bunch of Autobots and a bunch of Decepticons. And John Tuturo is there. He's this, like, agent character. And he's looking up at this standoff and he says to another, like, younger character, and he says, um, it's like the gunfight at the OK Corral. And I'm like, and the kid is like, what? He's like, oh, you've never heard of that movie? Burt Lancaster is Wyatt Earp and Kirk Douglas is Doc Holliday. And I was like, wait, what? <laughs> and that was enough for me to like, well, that sounds interesting. And I went and I looked up this movie and I saw Guess and who was in it and who directed it and looked up kind of what he else he had done. And I realized like I haven't really watched a lot of Kirk Douglas films. I think the only movie that I had watched of his was is was Spartacus, which we covered. Really? Yeah. Is that so the last was, Kirk Douglas movie we actually covered? Because that was a I long think so. time ago. Surely I think so. we've covered a Kirk Douglas movie well, since not, then. I don't know that you and I have. But um, yes, so I was like, oh, Kirk Douglas played a, a Doc Holliday character? Like, I can't picture that. So I'm looking into this movie, looking at the cast, and that's where that it comes into, like, some other interesting actors in this film that yes. I was really a surprise to see cast and wanted to see them in this vein of this film. So Transformers Revenge of the Fallen is what, what you know, pushed this choice <laughs> today um, and, and spurred me. Uh, no pun intended. Um, to, pun uh... entirely intended. <laughs> um, to look into this movie and see the very interesting casting and see that it was a Wyatt Earp story and all of these yeah. things. So thank you, John Tutoro, from your little moment in uh, Transformers 2. But also, <laughs> Janine, it has to be said that there's one supporting actor in this movie who's not in the movie a great deal as he's simply you know 
one of Wyatt Earp's brothers who happens to share the same name as me. Yes. Which I've always kind of liked (laughs) that I could be considered, you know, just because it's my name that I maybe was a Earp brother in a past life and didn't really, you know, doesn't have the, the legend of Wyatt, but was involved to a little dig- bit oh, of a, a degree. degree. <laughs> he, he says now some... I just want to go and look at all the actors who played Morgan Earp. Yes, let's let's do that. I mean, let's not do that now, because will they ever be as good as DeForest Kelly in this movie <laughs> yes! playing Morgan Earp? As though we're not seeing DeForest Kelly enough at the minute, Janine, or Morgan hasn't seen <laughs> exactly. with Star Trek. Yes. Just if we wanted to see his face a little bit more, his younger face, it must be said, he looks quite fresh-faced compared to what we're used to seeing from DeForest Kelly. You know, particularly in the Star Trek movies, let alone the TV show, which was, you know, 10 years after this movie as well. So he is quite quite fresh-faced in this movie. He's not, however, as fresh-faced as, I think, a 20-year-old Dennis Hopper. Yes, and I think he was like a Westerns kind of person in the start of his career because I was watching this on Paramount Plus and immediately after it ended, it started another Western. I can't quite remember the name of it. And he was young man in that film that came on like automatically right after this one. And it was a young Dennis Hopper in a Western. So I don't know if that was kind of just something he did early on in his career. Uh, I mean, to to be honest with you, I couldn't say with any surety. I've not looked into it. Dennis Hopper's early career in that yeah because I think we were really surprised because like I think the first or the earliest I could picture him was Easy Rider so I never really pictured him you know younger than that yeah (laughs) um but yes I did do a quick search of the other actors who have played Morgan Earp okay (laughs) is any no any particularly notable people well yes uh in Tombstone you get uh Bill Paxton as as oh, he's Bill Pack. Okay, um, not as well known, but somebody I adore. And we did talk about him on an episode of um, Morgan hasn't seen. <laughs> uh, when we discussed uh, Mortal Kombat, <laughs> we did our watch along. Oh, it's not. It's not. Um, <laughs> what's his so, name? Lyndon Ashby. Lyndon, no, it's Lyndon. Lyndon Ashby who played Johnny Cage. <laughs> <laughs> okay. What's he? So, yes. What's the French guy from Mortal Kombat called? That's uh, also Christopher in Christopher Lambert. Christopher Lambert. Yes, exactly. Yeah, so I always Lyndon forget Ashby, his name. Who played Johnny Cage in Mortal Kombat? We didn't discuss it on Morgan hasn't seen, but it was a Morgan hasn't seen watch along that we did on Mortal Kombat. Oh, that's true. Uh, yes. Yes. Um. Yes. Lyndon Ashby. He was uh Morgan Earp in uh, Wyatt Earp. The uh, okay. Film was. <clears throat> Was Walter Brennan Morgan Earp in My Darling Clementine? Walter Walter Brennan was definitely... Or am I getting Walter Brennan confused with Ward Bond again? That I always seem to get, to get them confused with. He was definitely an Earp brother in My Darling um, Clementine. It's been a long time since I've seen that movie, though, as Ward well. Bond. Ward Bond. Well, it is Ward Bond. It's not Walter yes. Brennan. Which movie are they both in? Are they both in Rio Bravo? I'm getting Western, Western. confusion, <laughs> Jimmy. I'm getting Western confusion. Uh, but no, let's be fair. N- nobody would be. I mean, Bill Paxton. Walter yes, Brennan, okay, but... um, Old Man Clant. And... Y- oh, Walter Brennan was in My Darling Clementine as well. Yeah, he oh, was so both Old in Man Darling... Clanton. Yeah. Yes, okay. Well, Dennis Hopper is a Clanton. It must be said in this movie. He's Billy Clanton. He's the young one who yes. kind of just wants to follow in his brother's footsteps. Quite yeah. similar to the Earps in that way. There's a little bit of, you know. Family kind of dynamic of, you know, just wanting to step up for your family. And the youngest Earp does get killed by this gang. So, yeah. um yeah, that's kind of what spurs Kate Corral. Um Yes, and but yeah, like I think Wyatt has a scene with with Billy, kind of talking to him, trying to talk him down from you know taking this path. Um, 
and, and, you know, you're too young for this kid and, you know, kind of, you know, don't get mixed up in this nonsense. And he tries to kind of, you know, uh, help him in that way, but he just can't, uh, you know, and it makes me, it reminds me of like something like Boys in the Hood of like trying to yeah, get it's out a, of Yeah, it's that, a really like, good oh, scene. Yeah, so that scene where like he's trying to talk about it, it definitely gave me like this Boys in the Hood, like, um, you know, street violence kind of you know, get out of this life and do something better and you're better than this and you're too young to be caught up in this violence, this yeah. violent world. It felt a lot like that. <laughs> because that's exactly what it is. It's just mm -hmm. a totally different culture. Yeah. And and obviously time in history, but it's exactly the same kind of situation. Yeah. And it's, you know, ultimately sad, I suppose, for, for Billy at the end when, mm -hmm. you know, He's involved in the gunfight at OK Corral, and it yeah. generally doesn't go particularly well for most of the quote-unquote bad guys in that yeah. particular fight. Um, obviously, that's where the, the legend, the Wild West legend of it comes from. And I do love that movies really overplay what actually happened as well. I mean, they're going to, aren't they? They're going to yeah. over-dramatize things. They're going to over-theatize things. But they don't half make this gunfight last an epic length of time. Like, it seems to go on for, like, well over five minutes, this gunfight, where... I believe the actual gunfight was pretty quickly <laughs> over with. It was basically two people that came to the corral and shot each other. You know, kind of two groups of people that, <laughs> that just like... Not... There, there wasn't too much darting behind walls and having and little cover conversations. Me runs and, yeah. Cover me runs and all out. this kind of yeah. business. <laughs> yeah, I believe it was over and done with pretty quickly the actual real gunfight but when something becomes a legend janine it expands and becomes grander and it's yeah, more about the it's more about the tale it's telling rather than the actual event itself and i think the tale that this movie tells is is about loyalty is about banding together for a common purpose that is for the good of the people whether yeah. the people are involved or not you the almost rebel group the the kind not rebel group but kind of rogue group which the herbs kind of are because you know they don't necessarily it's it's not in line really with what the citizens of tombstone want to happen they don't want a big battle they, they're kind of sick of the clantons kind of yeah. ruining things every now and again but they don't want to cause fuss so they need the herps to come in and kind of do it but they're they're, it yeah. they're scared they're you know they're reserved about it yeah and it is about standing up for ultimately what's right and yes dealing it with it in a very direct way but it's also quite simplistic in the way it, it kind of presents it as well these are doing the good thing and these are doing the bad thing so the bad people need to go away and the good yeah. people need to come out of it fairly okay yeah which is is kind of the whole tale of it okay corral yes please sing <laughs> corral every time anybody says okay um i really i do I appreciate that because it really is still. Yeah, it's really in stuck my in there. Head <laughs> as well. It's really all up in there. Um, there yeah. may be DeForest Kelly in this movie and Dennis Hopper in this movie, but I also quite enjoyed seeing Lee Van Cleef in this movie as well. At the oh, beginning, yeah. I was who, very like, surprised. I was like, okay, what's he going to do? And then he immediately. Like, yeah, he, he's song. an early villain of the movie. He's yeah. not a clan. He's just kind of a, a another outlaw that they deal with before just to they kind get of to show, Tombstone. And to kind of show uh, Doc's uh, kind of fly off the handle type yes. attitude. Because this is still when he's kind of just like a bane of the town, just kind of causing trouble. And so they need yeah. to kind of depict that a little bit. So he has this little thing with, with uh, Lee Van Cleve in yeah, but it's nice to see a slightly younger Lee Van Cleef as well. Yeah. I was as, like, okay, you know, as you Western go back icon. in 
He is, as you go back in the years as well. Like, I mean, Lee Van Cleef is a really prolific actor when it comes to westerns. And admittedly, again, you know, westerns is something that I am one layer below the surface quite good on, but any deeper than that, and I just, I don't have that film knowledge. Yeah, I don't have that film watching experience. It's not like me and horror that I can go layers and layers deep. Yeah, you know, it's not even like me and I don't know what what's another genre. Well, let's speak about this movie. It's not even me and overall old movies that I feel like I can go quite layers deep on westerns. Yeah, I know the big ones and I know the kind of ones under that, but any like vehicle westerns and that kind of stuff, you know, where it's just, oh, we'll just throw this actor in. He's a western actor. Let's get him in this western. And it's yeah. just a random western. I don't, you know, I'm not massively familiar with those things, but I do know how prolific Lee Van Cleef is in this genre. And then and when you do get into his kind of earlier work, he's actually like, you wouldn't think it, but he's weirdly kind of, not that particularly I'm necessarily feeling this way about him but he's quite surprisingly handsome oh. in his younger years and yeah i wouldn't necessarily think it from lee van cleef yeah you know he's he, kind he of almost... rough and gruff and dirty and you know mostly kind of the villain in, in western yeah so. maybe because it is you know i am far too used to seeing him in the good the bad and the ugly in particular yeah. mm-hmm. that he is kind of really sly and some sort of walking weasel in that movie. Yeah. With his cut off fingers. But it's, uh, yeah, he had, you know, I felt the need to bring up Lee Van Cleef as well, making yeah, a little bit of an appearance in this movie. Do you need anything else we would like to say about this over theatrical, heart pounding Western? I mean, we do have some ladies in here. We certainly do, and it's a disgrace that we haven't talked about them yet, to be perfectly (laughs) honest with you. Rhonda Fleming, perhaps, or Joe Van Vliet. They're the the two major women Uh, in this movie. Rhonda Fleming. Yes. She was gorgeous, and I love that she was kind of um, really challenging Wyatt and kind of throwing things back in his face and, and really kind of playing along with just how kind of boy scouty he was uh, yeah. when he, you know, because she's just a woman, she's trying to gamble. He makes this whole big old deal out of it and, and says he's going to ar- arrest her for disturbing the peace. And, and she's just like, okay, yeah, I might like the jail. Like just kind of being really yes, sassy with it. I do Aren't like you going to close the door? Aren't you going to open the cell for me? Like, um, she's like, oh yeah, you know, here you can use this to buy a new halo. That one's a little bit tight. I love just kind of her sass with him and yes. her kind of challenge of him and kind of trying to make him, you know, playing along with like the ridiculous requests he has of, you know, as this really strict lawman and kind of making it, it feel foolish um, you know, while also kind of going with what he wants. Uh, yeah, she's, I, I mean, she she tones him down a lot. She makes Wyatt in this movie become more human, I think, yeah. which is, is, is something, you know, he needed. He was, he was a little bit over the top rigid. at the yeah. beginning of this movie, incredibly rigid. I like how you use the word Boy Scout because that's also kind of made me think, you know, I was perhaps a little bit, disrespectful on Burt Lancaster before and I don't want to be disrespectful on Burt Lancaster saying that he would have played a good Frankenstein's monster I actually happen to think he would have played a pretty good Superman in his day yeah I think he fits that build and that attitude kind of really really well and definitely Uh, like a huge a huge name I know but like I think the first thing I'd seen him in was the separate tables that we had yeah it's it's the only it's the only movie of Burt Lancaster it's the only other movie of Burt Lancaster we've ever covered on this show Mm -hmm. was separate tables I have seen him in a couple of other things most notably I think Birdman of Alcatraz Mm -hmm. which I mean he's perfect in that he's ridiculously quiet and stoic and just the the gentle giant almost I think I think works well for someone like Burt Lancaster, which is why it might be considered, you know, the casting of both of our leads here might be considered quite unusual, but I do think that while 
it's certainly different takes on them that we're used to seeing in other things. They still work for the movie yeah, they're in. Definitely. With really everything do. else going on around them, who else has been cast, their chemistry kind of with everybody, the story that they're telling, they definitely embody those characters pretty well, um, despite not seeing them in a lot of movies of this style. And despite, you know, you kind of maybe first thinking, uh, I don't know how they're going to do in this. Like, I can't picture yeah. it. So that's what, you know, after kind of hearing John Turturro talk about this movie yeah. in Transformers, that's what kind of piqued my interest because I looked it up and I'm like, ah, I don't, I would, don't think I would really picture these guys in the Western. And so, yeah, that's really kind of them uh, seeing if they were going to subvert my expectations and, and kind of play into this different style of them, idea of them that I had um, was really exciting so yes but i i mean i agree with you as well i really like Rhonda fleming in this movie i think she's kind of a welcome almost a welcome breath of fresh air i was going to say but she's certainly a welcome presence in the movie in the sense that her attitude is completely different to kind of any everybody else everybody else in it including the other kind of lead female joe van include yes kind of, because joe van Vliet's very, just, oh, a very chaotic. sad character a ridiculously yeah. tragic character she's very good at it She's yeah. she's really good in this movie. She's Doc Holliday's kind of spurned lover. Yes, on just... and off, and they kind of have this tumultuous back and forth relationship where they want each other and then they treat each other like crap and then they come back together. And yeah, then, you know it's very tumultuous and and that back she keeps and getting forth drunk and and leaving him and into... going with his enemy and then yeah. she wants him back and then he won't take her back and you know they're just very kind of toxic for each other but very much connected and you know she's she's very chaotic <laughs> she she is and she played but she plays it really well she's she she's really tragic well. yeah. she's a really sad character really yeah. um in in a movie that you know doesn't feel particularly sad it's not like i said it, 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 yes it's about loyalty yes it's about kind of believing in people and believing in your own conscience and that kind of stuff. And I like that about this movie. Yeah. It, but it's not a massively deep emotional depiction of this story of Wired Up. But certainly Joe Van Vliet's character is that element of this movie, is the more heavy emotion of this movie and i think that's very welcome as well i think you yeah. need that in this movie to to make it feel well i suppose to make it feel a, a little bit less of a two-dimensional movie it's yeah. it, it gives it a bit more intensity and it gives it a bit more genuine human emotional depth which is is good much like you know, Rhonda Fleming kind of on the opposite in terms of the lead females gives the movie a hope and a, a kind of freer attitude. Joe Van Vliet's character gives the movie its emotion, its real heavy emotion. And, yeah. uh, you know, I, I think both are perfectly great in this movie. I, I really like them as supporting cast members i did want to mention one other supporting uh, member though who is john island who played ringo in this movie because he was also in my darling clementine but he played one oh. of the clantons okay in that movie <laughs> so he's been in two of them yeah. so well done john island you All love right. white Earp films <laughs> so i just wanted to say that before anything else janine um, just really enjoy another Western I found that I enjoy. It's kind of this weird relationship I have, but I, um, in kind of talking it out with you uh, on this episode, I've kind of realized, yeah, I think I'm more into the, um, more kind of theatrical, yes. um, stylized you know, Western, stylized Westerns, and as opposed to kind of the, the gritty, you know, kind of stories. Uh, yeah. And, you know, because, yeah, like, I'm a story person, so, I, and I love kind of character moments and, and you know, character relationships and, and chemistry and things like that. So to kind of see, uh, especially this story, kind of telling the start of their friendship and, and where it began, where most Wyatt Earp movies don't really get into that, um, 
that kind of yes, build and, and seeing the arcs of a character like Doc Holliday and stuff like that was really kind of exciting for me. So yeah, definitely this episode and this movie kind of made me realize that style of Western that I actually am into. So I think it's a genre I, I, I need to embrace more because when I do find Westerns I like, I can kind of really get into a whole kind of marathon of Westerns. Um, yeah. And so, I mean, yeah, I, I really enjoyed this movie. If you like this movie, watch John Sturgis's other pretty big Western, which is obviously The Magnificent Seven, which is very, again, you know, obviously kind of heart-pounding, fun, adventure kind of vibe of a Western, and we obviously rather like that about that movie, don't we? It's uh, an entirely different take on the Seven Samurai that came before it. I, I do have a, a fun kind of idea planned for the future of yes. this show, which it, it involves the Magnificent Seven. So, yeah. Okay, well, <laughs> there we go. Um, I'm trying to think of almost other Westerns to kind of recommend you, but Westerns is a genre that I also feel myself... I I feel like my not my attitude, but my kind of history with Westerns almost is unfair simply because I I always like Westerns when I watch them, but it seems that I don't give them enough thought and enough yeah. time for being such a prevalent genre of the era of movies I happen to love the most. They are so, so prevalent and so, so successful in that time. Yeah. Classic films and films of this time is like you always kind of jump to the deeper noirs and dramas and but you never really kind of, you know, for us who do this show. Yeah. We never really think like just to talk about when was the last time we covered a Western on this show? Like to kind of talk about that at the start. Yeah, it really, really, really was a long time ago, and it it, really it is interesting thought. Yeah, it is strange, but I again, I also think it's probably the genre of movies that feels the most dated at times, and I think that yeah. does have something to do with it's very much about morality, and morality of culture changes so much over yeah. over times, and has done obviously in the last say 60 years 50 years since westerns were absolutely huge or certainly the more traditional american westerns were absolutely huge but there is great movies of that ilk out there you don't as as more accessible as the stylized westerns films or or, or the more modern westerns feel as more accessible as a movie like tombstone would feel in terms of Wired Earp movies. Yeah. Go and watch My Darling Clementine because there's a hell of a lot in that that's a hell of a lot better than what you get in Tombstone. It just so happens that Tombstone's a bit fun. Yeah, it's you know, because really, I, I got, watched it. Oh, it's Kurt Russell. Oh, it's Val Kilmer. Oh, they've all got ridiculous mustaches, isn't it fun? Yes, of course yes. it's fun. But also Henry Fonda's really great as Wired Earp and Burt Lancaster's really great as Wired yes. Earp in this movie. And I watched I watched Tombstone and Wider back to back, and yeah, completely different styles for sure of the same character. Yeah. So yeah, you can't just kind of think, oh, it's it's another Wider story. This is completely kind of different from from other takes that you've seen, and uh, and is. a big surprise to us because yeah, I think you know we did talk about how seeing Burt Lancaster, you, you wouldn't automatically think that oh he's he's you know Wider type. No, no. You know. <laughs> It has also admittedly been a long time since I've seen a Kirk, or since I've sat down and watched a Kirk Douglas movie, which, again, just feels unnecessary. Like, why am I not watching more Kirk Douglas movies? Why why do I become just insistent on watching other things? For some reason today, I'm just feeling like I don't do myself enough credit with watching movies. Like, I need to just watch more movies of an evening. Yeah. And just really round my viewing out a little bit more. I feel like I do that, but I don't feel like I do that enough. And I think talking about a Western this week, where Kirk Douglas is obviously a big part, it just made me realize, like, give 
more genres and more big name actors that you that you already like morgan you already like these movies and these people so delve deeper into them yeah delve deeper into them and i i feel it's if if nothing else which this movie has given me more than this but if nothing else it has made me realize that fact so i give the movie credit for doing that but i think it's a great movie anyway and it is it's a very entertaining kind of fun movie it's not a i mean it's two hours it it, it kind of breezes by it's really paced very well i think and it is due i think to be to the fact that it's in almost two chapters it seems two acts which is everything that comes before Tombstone and then everything that happens in Tombstone. And it is kind of unusual, like you said before, to see a Wyatt Earp movie that delves so far into before Tombstone. Yeah. Which is uh, is nice about it as well. So, yes, Janine, gunfight at the OK Corral. Are we going to have another rendition of the song? <laughs> Wyatt <laughs> ran down to his bar and had a drink and then shot an outlaw. Okay, <laughs> corral. <laughs> it's so good. I love it. Yes. I do genuinely love it. I'm making fun of it, but I do genuinely love it. You can tell we love something when we make it, a little it, bit of fun of it. Yes, it definitely gave it that kind of tall tale. Kind it of did. Led, led feel having that song kind of pop in here and there. And kind of did. explaining and narrating parts. So, yeah. It did. It's perfect. <laughs> it's absolutely perfect. Anyway, Janine, are we going to call this episode there? Okay. <laughs> I have to do it. I'm sorry, it's just in my head. It's gonna get annoying for people. I know it is, but it, it is just really. It's gonna happen to you if you watch this movie. So it is. It really is. <laughs> but I would say watch the movie as well, and then get it stuck in your head too, because yes. it's well worth your time. Janine, this has been episode two hundred and seven of It's a Wonderful Podcast. We have been talking gunfight at the OK Corral. 1957, Burt Lancaster, Kirk Douglas, and the rest of the great supporting cast, Rhonda Fleming, Joe Van Vliet, DeForest Kelly, Dennis Hopper, John Ireland, Lee Van Cleef, and the rest of them. Um, they're all very good in this. It's It really is a Western worth your time. But It's a Wonderful Podcast, Janine, is not the only show you can find on the It's a Wonderful Podcast feed, is it? It is not. We also have Machine Mondays, every Monday with me, Janine the Machine, talking all things Schmodown. Great epic season we have going, so lots to talk about there. And of course, we have Morgan Hasn't Seen Every Wednesday, where I force Morgan to watch things he hasn't seen. Yes, and at the moment, obviously, if you didn't see enough DeForest Kelly in this, and you want to see more DeForest Kelly, then Head on over to Morgan Hasn't Seen for Star Trek. Yes, deep yes. into the space of Star Trek. <laughs> From a cowboy to a starship medic. Yes. <laughs> DeForest, the range of DeForest Kelly. Yes. <laughs> I love saying his name because when is when is anyone ever going to be called DeForest, DeForest. again? Yeah, right? It's such a cool name. It is. For a really uncool looking person. <laughs> oh, don't I mean, he doesn't look that. You know, he, he is. I like De- I do like DeForest Kelly. I think he's great. But why does he get the name DeForest? <laughs> it makes him so much cooler than he comes across as usually. Well, I guess that's why he was so excited to play a Morgan then. Because he was like, Yes, Mor- Morgan's <laughs> obviously a much cooler name than DeForest. Um, anyway. There we go. Janine, Monday, Wednesday, Friday, as you have just alluded to, we have you covered here on the It's a Wonderful Podcast feed. You can find us on Anchor, Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Stitcher, Google Podcasts, CastBox, Amazon Music, and all the other places as well. We've already spoken about the Patreon before, but we also have the It's a Wonderful Podcast YouTube channel for you to go and subscribe to. Ding your notification bells on for all the watch-alongs and the live discussions and the other fun videos we have there and have coming to there. 
You can find the show on Twitter at It's a Wonderful One. Find me on Twitter at The Purple Don with a three instead of the E in there because, Janine. There is the magic number. On Instagram at The Purple Don. All your cowboy things are where. You can find me at Janine Debean underscore on Twitter, Janine Debean on Instagram and TikTok. If you want to get any merch for any of our shows, you can find that at my T Public shop at g9design.tpublic.com. If you want to purchase any of my art and print form, you can find that at my big cartel shop, g9design.bigcartel.com. Janine, I think it's fairly obvious what I'm going to ask you to do. I'm going to ask you to sing the song as, uh, to count us down, as it were. Okay. <laughs> okay. 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 Bye. Bye.